today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. When we're going through a trial, the, the default, if I could say it like that, for lack of a better way of saying it, is to think, man, God's punishing me. God's going to make me pay. God's through with me. God's forgotten me. God's divorced me. Oh, really? Is that what you think? Where's the, where's the certificate of divorce? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. Is your default to believe that God has rejected you when hard times come? Or do you default to knowing that God will never leave or forsake you in your trial? Today, Pastor J.D. will challenge us to remember the depth of God's love for each of us and to combat any lie that would say otherwise. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 50 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We are currently going through the Bible book by book and chapter by chapter and verse by verse. And we finished last week Isaiah chapter 49. So we're going to pick it up chapter 50 and Lord willing make it through to chapter 51. You might want to turn there if you're not there already. And before we jump in, if you would please join with me in a word of prayer. We'll ask God to bless our Bible study tonight. Really looking forward to what the Lord has for us. So why don't we pray? Father in heaven, thank you so, so, so much for this time that we have where we can just disconnect from everything and in some cases everyone and, and just come to this place, this, your church, this beautiful place you've given us and, and just open up our Bibles, and open up our hearts, and open up our eyes, and open up our ears to receive from You. Lord, this Bible study represents to many of us a sanctuary, a solace, a a respite of sorts, where we can just quiet our minds and settle our hearts by the Holy Spirit, and turn our attention back to you, get our eyes off of all the busyness and stresses and pressures of daily life, (laughs) and just give you our undivided attention. Lord, you're always so faithful to speak directly into our lives through your word, and it's always, because it's the Holy Spirit, And because your word's alive and active, it's always exactly where we're at in our lives. It doesn't matter where we're at in your word. It's where we're at in our lives, and it speaks to us in that way. And so, Lord, would you do just that in our time together tonight? Would you speak into our lives, in and through your word, Speak clearly, Lord, in that still, small, refining voice of the Holy Spirit, that we might hear and take heed to your word. Lord, thank you. Your word is life. It's the word of life. It's the bread of life. 
We don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of your mouth, O oh Lord. And so it's that word, that bread of life that we want to feed on and be fed by tonight. So thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. So the reason I wanted to take these two chapters together is because both of them speak to the encouragement and the hope that is ours as a word in season to the weary. A word to the weary. (laughs) I need a word. I think I'm not alone in being battle-weary. Just that, that weariness that sets in. I think of the Apostle Paul writing to the churches in Galatia about not being weary and well-doing, for we will reap in due season if we faint not. I think about in the Gospels how Jesus was always attracted to the weary, the downcast, the least, the last, the brokenhearted. You don't see Him really going to or even being with the religious leaders. In fact, the harshest words that ever came out of the mouth of the Savior were reserved for those very religious leaders. I often think to myself that if Jesus were here on Oahu, well of course we know He'd come to this church, but no. Is that bad? I'm sorry. Just saying. But you know where he would probably go? He'd probably be in Waikiki, ministering to the prostitutes and the homeless and the least and the last and the lame and the blind and the crippled and the sick. They're the ones that need the physician. They're the ones that need the Savior. I I am just really astonished by how the Savior was attracted to those who were brokenhearted, the castaways of society, those who were weary and those who were hopeless, and that hopelessness giving way to despair. We read in the Psalms, David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, by the Holy Spirit, pens those words we're so familiar with, that He's close to the brokenhearted, those who are of a contrite spirit. He is the closest to those who are weary and hopeless and discouraged. Now let me provide some context in order to really have a better understanding of these two chapters and what's happening here and why they were written in the first place. It's important to understand that this prophecy here in Isaiah was for a time when Israel would need it the most, because they would be in captivity in Babylon. And because of that, they do what we do, which is to kind of think that maybe God is mad at us, 
through with us and has, in effect, forgotten us. And this is exactly what's happening at the time this prophecy is written, and this is why this prophecy was written, because God wants His people to know, I'm not mad at you, you will not drink from the cup of my wrath any longer. We're going to see that in 51. I want you to know that I love you. I have not forsaken you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never forget you. I will never abandon you. I love you so much, and I want you to be reminded of that. I haven't forgotten you. I love you. I'm not through with you. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to save you by way of my death for you. You know what that means? We're going to hear Jesus himself speak through the prophet Isaiah. So are you ready? Let's jump in. Verse 1, chapter 50. Thus says the Lord, Where is the certificate of your mother's divorce, whom I have put away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? <laughs> for your iniquities you have sold yourselves, and for your transgressions your mother has been put away. What? Wow, what a start, huh, to the chapter? What? What is this about? Well, they were thinking and were of the belief that God had forsaken them, that God had in effect divorced them. And very interesting that God would inspire Isaiah to write this, this way, and say to them with this question, rhetorical question, um, so you think I've forsaken you? You think I've forgotten you? You think I've abandoned you? You think I've sold you and divorced you? Can you produce the documents? No, you cannot. Why can't you? Because I didn't divorce you. Can you produce any kind of receipt or certificate or anything that I've forsaken you or divorced you or sold you? No, you did this to yourselves. I know you think that because there you sit in Babylon being in captivity but I've not forgotten you. You might think I've forgotten you. Isn't it true that when we're going through a trial, the, the default, if I could say it like that, for lack of a better way of saying it, is to think, man, God's punishing me. God's going to make me pay. God's through with me. God's forgotten me. God's divorced me. Oh, really? Is that what you think? Where's the, where's the certificate of divorce? Verse 2, Why, when I came, was there no man? Why, when I called, was there none to answer? Is my hand shortened at all that it cannot redeem? Or 
have I no power to deliver? Indeed, with my rebuke, I dry up the sea. I make the rivers a wilderness. (laughs) Their fish stink because there is no water and die of thirst. I, verse 3, clothe the heavens with blackness and I make sackcloth their covering. I did that. That's what I can do. I am able to do because I am God. Uh, Are you saying that my hand is too short to deliver? These of course are rhetorical questions that the Lord asks and answers, and He does so. Again, please see all of this through the lens of God's love. Never imagine that there's a wrathful, vengeful anger in the tone in which this is written. Because as we're going to see, it's God's way of saying, I love you so much. Can't you see that? I love you so much. Do you think that I'm not going to redeem you? Do you think that I'm unable to redeem you? That I don't have the power to deliver you? That my hand is too short? That I cannot redeem you? Again, rhetorical question, and he answers it with a resounding no. No, it's not. You might think that, but it's not true. Verse 4, now this is interesting. The Lord God has given me, notice the capitalization of me, that's Jesus. The Lord God, God the Father, has given Jesus the tongue of the learned, that I, Jesus, should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. Hang on to that. I want to come back to that. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. Wow. This is where Jesus bursts back into the passage. And he says of himself that his tongue is learned. And with his learned tongue, he will speak a word in season to him who is weary. You know, throughout Scripture, whenever you read a passage where God says, do not be afraid, why do you think God would inspire the writer to pen the words, do not be afraid? I know this is going to be deeply profound. It's because they were afraid. Same thing is true here. Why would God inspire Isaiah to write the words of Christ, literally, concerning this learned tongue that would speak a word in season to those who were weary if they weren't weary and needed to hear a word because they were weary? Where am I going with this? I I know what you're thinking, because I can read your mind. Just a minute, something's coming in right now. I know what you're thinking. It's okay to be weary. 
Sadly, we live in a day and an age where a Christian dare not open up about their discouragement, their weariness, their doubts, their struggles. And so here's what that looks like. Because we have to we have to put on the you know the Christian smile when you pull in the parking lot. I mean, we're yelling at the kids on the way to church. As soon as we pull into church, I mean, we're sanctified. Praise the Lord. Walk into the church. So, brother or sister comes up to you and says, Hey, how you doing? Oh, fine. How are you? How you really doing? Oh, you got a minute? No, I wasn't expecting that. Hey, we'll do lunch sometimes. No, we dare not open up and share. Hey, you know, I'm struggling, man. Because the moment we do that, then all of a sudden now, oh, well, where's your faith? Oh, and then it's even worse than that. That's best case scenario. You know, worst case scenario is, oh, you're struggling, are you? And then you share with them very personally, very openly, very honestly about what you're struggling with. And it's not long before the whisper campaign starts. And this is usually how it starts off. Did you hear? (gasps) What? Oh, they're struggling, man. We need to, oh, we're so clever. We couch it in such spiritual terms. We need to pray for so-and-so. Oh, really? Why? Oh, you didn't hear? I've seen that one dynamic destroy people's lives. I've seen it destroy churches. I've seen it destroy pastors. I've seen it destroy young people who want nothing to do with the things of God, certainly not the church. In other words, you're weary, you're in good company. You're discouraged, you're in good company. You're struggling, you're in good company. And it gets even better than that. The Lord has a word for you in that season, in that trial to him who is worried. What is the word? Oh, it's a word of encouragement and comfort, as we're going to see. Let's take just a moment. I want to, I think I'd be grossly remiss if I didn't mention this morning by morning. What's that about? Well, now stay with me. Because, again, this is Jesus speaking, who is saying through Isaiah that he has a learned tongue that came about vis-a-vis every morning, morning by morning, God the Father waking him up to speak to him. You with me? This is Jesus talking now. How many times in the Gospels do we read where Jesus would leave the multitudes in all of their unmet needs and just go to be alone with the Father? That was his source. And here he's saying that every morning, early in the morning, his mercies are new every morning. David would say, early in the morning will I rise up and seek thee. And when you do, there's the manna for that day. In the morning, that time 
that you have with the Lord, where the Lord speaks into your life that word that you need. And how do you know that that word that you need, that He's going to speak into your life in the morning, isn't for somebody else that you're going to come into contact with that afternoon? How many times does that happen? I mean, if we went around, I'm sure every single one of us would have testimony after testimony about how in the morning when we would have that time with the Lord and He would speak into our lives in that devotional time, time in prayer and time in the Word, and then two o'clock in the afternoon you've got that really intense meeting scheduled. And the Lord went before you and prepared you for that which was prepared for you that morning. And so two o'clock comes, and the Lord had already spoken into your heart for such a time as that, and it was exactly what you needed. And so that meeting comes about, and oh my goodness, I am so glad I had time with the Lord this morning, because I knew this was going to be a one of those meetings. But God, God prepared me. God spoke to me a word in season for that very moment that I needed it, morning by morning. You know, this is one of those things, and I, I maybe need to just spend a little bit more time on this, because This is one of those, for lack of a better way of saying it, one of those real guilt-producing things, you know, when you start talking about morning devotions. It's been a busy week, yeah, I know. And it doesn't help when you hear quotes from these mighty men of God, you know, the saints of old who are now with the Lord, that would say something to the effect of, man, I've got such a busy day, I better spend the first four hours praying. You're like, I'm not even, am I still even saved? Really? Yeah. This uh, morning devotions, this time with the Lord, it's a get to, not a got to. Think about this. We have access to the creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. And we don't avail ourselves of that especially in this world that we're living in today, we have have access to God Almighty. Picture Him having everything I need at the ready for the asking, just waiting for me to ask. By the way, you know what book comes after the book of Hebrews, which we're almost done with on Sunday mornings? James. (laughs) Oh man, you got to love James, or not. James by the Holy Spirit says, you have not because you ask not. And I think in my own life, how many things remain on the table in heaven that could have been mine had I but asked. God knows my need before I even need it. And he's just waiting at the ready for me to ask. I have what you need for that. Father, mother, parent. (laughs) I, I have everything you need just for the ask. Just ask me. 
Just ask me, it's yours. But we don't ask. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you think that the gospel is only in our first four books of the New Testament, you'll quickly learn through this book of Isaiah that the gospel is mentioned throughout. It must have been interesting for Isaiah to write the things he did in the course of his life. He was a prophet used by God who lived while several kings of Judah reigned. From their outright wicked behavior to a king like Hezekiah, Isaiah experienced the people living in rebellion and then turning toward God, realizing their need for him. God used Isaiah in a mighty way to influence these kings and to speak to them about what was yet to come. God can use you in the place you're at today as well. It may not seem as influential or powerful of a position, but God has you right where he wants you, to use you in the place you are. Are you involved in a local church? If not, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can get directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for our next edition as we learn more valuable things from this interesting book of Isaiah right here on In Spirit and Truth.